Hello, my name is Tom Longano, and this is Boy Stories. Welcome back to the podcast. We have one of my favorite stories today. It's called Trench Warfare. Uh, a lot of boys have reached out and told me this is actually their favorite story. I think it's a really interesting story for a lot of different reasons. Before we get into it, though, I just want to put in another plug there for Red Book of Stories. It's been selling really well. I'm so pleased with all the responses we've received so far. But if you haven't got your copy yet, it's on Amazon and TomLongano.com. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, send to your friends, leave a rating, all of that super fun stuff. Uh, trench warfare. So one thing about this story is it's actually based on two things. Like a lot of these stories, it was based on my experience as a boy and then also my experience teaching boys. When we were in sixth grade, there was actually a giant mulch pile outside the back of our classrooms, and we just tunneled in there for days on days on end. And I would come home just like head to toe dirty and just like this black mulch. And my mom would be like, what is going on at school? But I would have this big smile because like in my head, this was like the coolest thing in the world. Like we were building trenches. We were going to war. It was awesome. And then coming back as a teacher, I saw a lot of boys doing the same thing. Like when you're playing at recess and you're with your you're with your friends like you are in a different world and the world that you create for yourself it's such a cool thing like you're just that's all that exists and it's so like powerful and immersive and i just i would watch these boys have these like imaginative war games or you know whatever they were doing and just like kind of like getting at it with each other and like you know young age are like get over here we gotta like reinforce this side of the fort and like that sort of a thing i would just be like this is amazing like i love that this is happening right now i gotta write a story about that and and then also like at the end when recess is over break is called suddenly it's like okay we're going back to class and they just forget all about it and then like the next break they're back in it they're back in like the trenches or the war or whatever they're doing uh i think it's really cool also i'm kind of a big world war one buff uh i like history like reading different accounts of history war movies that sort of a thing so i was like what if what if a character like leo has who is already super imaginative as we know has seen one of these movies and then just like leads his his little gang into battle um and the story just kind of took off from there uh i think it's it's got a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of funny moments for me just like sort of like allusions to other things i've read or like world war one poetry and stuff like that that people probably don't get and i don't really I don't really mind that they don't understand it or I mean the target audience is fifth grade boys so whatever but I, it just makes me happy that it's in there <laughs> and so I'm going to jump right into it trench warfare on Monday the boys noticed a change in their recess space the grassy area on one side of the field had been suddenly covered by mounds and mounds of new black dirt and fresh wood chips Mr. Ellick explained that this space was being used as a holdover site for construction that was going on in another part of the school, and would most likely be there the whole week. Someone asked if they could play in it. Mr. L paused, then shrugged, and said that was fine, as long as they didn't make too much of a mess. Wednesday, 13.05. Leo leaned against the wall of black dirt behind him, chest heaving. How had it come to this? Timmy who was craning his neck to look out over the wall, announced that Porge was coming. Thank God. 
Porridge dove into the trench and thrust himself back against the wall. He was covered in dirt and had scratches up both arms. Well, well, demanded Leo. What happened? They got him. Porridge gasped for breath. They, <coughs> they got Jake. Leo swore. Not a very bad word, but bad enough to not to print it here. Timmy glanced from his lookout to his leader, then back. Grenade! He screamed. A pine cone bounced against the back wall and fell in the dirt at Leo's feet. Porge jumped up and kicked it down the winding trench, out of view. Good work, Lieutenant, said Leo. That was close. What's it look like out there? Getting worse, Timmy said. They're preparing another attack. Of course they are, muttered Leo. Now that Jake's captured, what's stopping them? How many? Hard to tell, Captain. Looks like they've built an outpost in no man's land. Leo looked to Porge for confirmation. Porge nodded. Not only that, Porge said, <coughs> with a cough, still fighting for breath, but they've been, they've been talking to fourth graders. Fourth graders? Leo said. Greg's already got the entire third grade fighting for him. He wants more. Offers him candy from home and other bribes. They're still holding out, but who knows? Who knows for how long, Leo? The fourth grade is supposed to be neutral. Leo kicked the wall, angry at the injustice of the world and fickleness of men's hearts. Then he scrambled up to peer over the edge, positioning himself next to Timmy. The barren space of trampled dirt extended before him beneath a pale and uncaring sky. Somewhere a bird started to sing. That nature could still thrive in a world that contained such desolation, Leo could not imagine. But he hadn't the luxury to dwell on such thoughts. Show me where the grenade came from he said. Timmy pointed. There was a small lump of dirt not 20 feet away. Beyond it, at a slight rise, Leo could see the jagged line of the enemy's trench. They've dug in, he noted, and are expanding. So are we, said Timmy, nodding to his left. Around the bend in their dugout, Jeffrey and Albert were furiously carving out a space for retreat. Leo glanced in their direction with a slight frown. He didn't want to go backwards and give up ground, but sometimes it was necessary to dig in and wait wait for the chance to strike. All the same, this entire war had been waiting. Day after day of making no progress, fighting for entire breaks over a mere 10 yards. But soon he could feel it. Soon the tide would turn. Soon, but not now. Not now that Jake was somewhere over there captured, held at the mercy of the enemy. Leo jogged around the bend in the trench and ducked below the surface, feeling his way along and down until he could only go forward on his knees. Light was sparse down here, but he could see two pairs of feet jutting from a deeper hole from which dirt was flying backward. Well, he said, how's it coming? Slow, a voice groaned. Albert? Leo addressed the owner of the voice. We're going to need you at the front. The third graders are preparing an attack and we need numbers. Oh, sweet relief, said Albert, quickly abandoning his digging stick. He wriggled past Leo and crawled out to the open of the outer trenches, gulping fresh air. How about you? Leo said to the other digger. You want to fight? Oh, uh, no, that's okay, said Jeffrey, turning to squint at Leo. His entire face and hair were covered in dirt, so that Leo could only see the whites of his eyes and teeth. Leo shuddered. War was a terrible thing. Um, <clears throat> I'll just keep digging, Jeffrey went on. We, we need the retreat hole in case uh, you guys can't hold them off. And we propped up that piece of wood, like you said, up near the entrance to the trenches so we can block the hole if they invade. Good, Leo nodded. Let's hope that never happens. He turned to wiggle back to the trench. Leo, wait, said Jeffrey. Be careful up there, 
I'll try, said Leo. But it's hard to be careful in the middle of hell. With that gem of wisdom, he slid back up to the outer world. Leo! Timmy screamed as he jogged around the bend. It's happening! Now! Leo grit his teeth and pulled himself up to risk a glance over the trench. Filthy third graders climbed out of the opposite holes like an army of the undead emerging from their graves, screeching a hideous war cry. At their front was Greg, shirt tied over his head, bare chest smeared with dirt, lifting his war stick high in the air and hollering. What are you waiting for? Leo said to his troops. Fire back! If we attack, they'll know where we are, Albert howled. They'll know soon enough anyway. Fire! At Leo's command, Porge and Albert took to the ammunition stores, heaving a barrage of acorns and pine cones at the charging enemy. Third graders were hit. Some fell. Others stumbled. But it wasn't enough. There were too many. Dirt! Leo commanded. They're close enough. Switch to dirt! Timmy uncovered the next store of ammunition, and now they flung heavy balls of dirt over the walls of the attacking army. This was met with cries of anguish and confusion, as many third graders tried to run back, colliding with those coming forward. To the ground! Greg's loud voice was heard over the screaming, Take to the ground! He flung himself on his belly and began to crawl forward. His army followed and the dirt clods flew overhead. Leo held up his hand, then waited, digging his foot halfway up the wall of the trench, and his soldiers did likewise. Now! He screamed suddenly, Charge! The suddenness of the counterattack served its purpose. Leo, Timmy, Albert, and Porge rushed onto no man's land, and before Greg and his army knew what was happening, they had struck. The third graders hardly had time to switch from their bellies to their knees. Leo and his noble army kicked dirt in their attackers' faces and wrestled them back to the ground, yelling for them to call uncle and surrender. Third graders squealed and scattered, retreating like a herd of startled piglets. But Greg continued to thrash and fight. Having regained his feet, he grappled with Leo in the middle of the battlefield. He would not retreat. Not yet. Leo soon saw why. Greg pushed off him and howled like a wolf, making a signal for his army. The scattering third graders heard this and looked to their left. Leo looked too, as did his whole army. Oh man, no fair, moaned Albert. An entire squadron of fourth graders charged the dirt, returning Greg's howl. They sprinted straight at Leo and the others, hurling acorns fresh and ready for blood. Leo had no choice but to call retreat. He and his soldiers dove back into the trench as the oncoming armies joined and charged together. The reinvigorated third graders, along with the clean-faced fourth graders, led by the impervious Greg. Leo's forces hurled dirt in droves, but it wasn't enough. The attackers spilled over the walls and through the trench like a raging flood, kicking dirt, destroying walls, grasping for captives. Retreat! Leo cried out, grabbing his soldiers, pulling them back. Retreat! In the chaos of the invasion, they slipped around the corner and crawled down the retreat hole into the hidden trench. Albert scrambled round and kicked at the wooden support board till it gave way. The ceiling of the exit passage collapsed and blocked them in. Great, said Porge. Now we're stuck. Oh, that's my face, groaned Albert. Move your foot. Shh, Leo hissed. Don't let them hear you. They waited many long moments for the frenzied cries to die down. Someone announced the trench had been abandoned. This was followed by a loud cheer. Okay, listen, Leo whispered. We can't be in here for long. Yeah, because we die, Albert said. There's no air. I made little air holes, 
came a cheerful voice from further down. I've needed them uh, since uh, I've been in here all break. But you had air coming from the passage too, Jeffrey, said Leo. The passage we just blocked. Albert's right. There's not much time before we all suffocate. Porridge began yelping and wildly digging at the wall so that Timmy and Albert had to hold him down. Pull yourself together, private, Leo snapped. This is a war. We don't have the luxury to panic. I'm thinking of a plan. Before we do anything, we have to lie low and wait. Give them a false sense of security. Our strongest weapon is now surprise. As he said this, they heard footsteps above them. Leo shut his eyes as trails of dirt descended from the ceiling. He had faith in Jeffrey, but all the same, there was doubt that the hole would stand. They're hiding in the woods, came the loud voice of their opposing general directly above them. Bunch of Brady cats. But if I know Leo, he's working out some dumb plan right now to attack, try to take back their land. Freddy, listen up. Yes, Greg, sir, said a small voice that belonged to the leader of the third graders. I want your grunts to uh, reinforce the backside of the trenches. Prepare for an attack from the woods. Got it? Very good, Greg, sir. Maurice, uh, take a team of your best fourth graders and scout around the trees. If you see the enemy, do not engage, but report back at once. Got it? We've got most of our numbers in this trench. This is where the battle's going to be. And Freddy, make sure we keep a 24-hour watch on the berserker. There are seven good men watching him right now, Greg, sir. They're third graders, not men. Remember that. All right, soldiers, we have won the battle, but not the war. Be prepared for anything. Yes, sir, Greg, sir, said two voices in unison. After the receding footsteps, there was silence on the hump of dirt above them. But Leo kept quiet. He had only counted two pairs of feet walking away, and sure enough, a minute later, a voice yelled above them loud and clear, Hey! Maurice! Make sure you check the back corner over there! Those slugs could be anywhere! Greg was using the hump above them as a lookout point. Leo bit his lip. This could complicate things. Next to him, Porge was making muted gasping noises. They had to act, and fast. Leo hissed, how far to the surface if you keep digging forward and not up? Uh, I believe we could break ground in about ten feet, he said. But, but, but wouldn't Greg see? Just start digging. Porridge, pick up a stick. Feeling faint? Well, dig. Dig like your life depends on it. Because it does. The furious digging commenced. To Leo's relief, Footsteps overhead indicated that Greg had walked down to the trench, probably to inspect the third graders' new fortifications. A sliver of light penetrated the blackness. Porge gasped down air. Leo wiggled over to where they were and explained his plan. Porge nodded, then readied himself, digging stick clutched to his chest. Not you, Jeffrey, said Leo. This time, we need you for the fight. Jeffrey followed him back to the heart of the retreat hole as Leo, Timmy, and Albert crawled toward their occupied trench. But just as they crouched, preparing to strike, they heard footsteps again on the hump of dirt above. Not anywhere in the woods? Are you kidding me? They're clearly hiding. Duh. Look in the trees. Look in the pile of leaves. Yes, go. Go. Fourth graders. So much stupid. Leo changed plans. He quickly whispered the new strategy to each soldier in the hole. Then he gave the signal to Porge. Now, he yelled, and together they thrust their digging sticks into the ceiling, standing up as they did so. The dirt collapsed on top of them, and with it, a very surprised Greg. 
Waving sticks and flailing limbs, unearthing themselves was difficult work, but soon the soldiers were able to manage. They fought valiantly. They had surprise on their side. The third and fourth graders in the trenches stood and gaped as Leo's army emerged, dragging Greg down as they went. After overcoming his shock, Greg began to fight back, but by that time, Leo had pulled himself free and yanked Timmy up with him. Albert came next, but Jeffrey was still half buried. Instead of pulling himself up further, he latched onto Greg and would not release his grip, no matter how much Greg yelled and struggled and called him names. With the enemy's leader thus incapacitated, Leo, Timmy, and Albert charged at the hordes that occupied their base. At first, all but the bravest of third graders ran from these dirt-covered marauders who had burst up from the dirt like horrible subterranean man-beasts. But the fourth graders closed in behind, plugging the trench, and the third graders were forced to turn and fight. Leo and his soldiers mowed them down with a ravenous fury, sending bodies ricocheting off the walls, throwing the smaller boys into the dirt, or even tossing them out of the trench. But the fourth graders at the back pressed further forward, creating a bottleneck pressure point at the center. Here, Greg's army refused to budge, their impassable strength given by sheer force of numbers. Can't get through! Albert screamed as he attempted to plunge into the writhing mass of third graders. Pull them away, screamed Leo, and he began yanking the third graders free and throwing them on the ground behind him. But it wasn't enough. They rose again, and soon the brave warriors were hemmed in on both sides, trapped. The surprise of the assault was over. The third graders had regained their fighting zeal. And to make matters worse, the other squad of fourth graders returned from the woods with a storm of howls. They reinforced the other side of the line and pushed. Stay on your feet! Leo cried over the roar, propping Timmy up. Don't fall, you'll be trampled. Don't know if I can hold, stammered Timmy, trying to breathe. Just a little more, urged Leo. Then a loud laugh came from directly overhead. There stood Greg, hands on hips, watching the struggle in the trench. Well, 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 he sneered. Caught like skunks in a trap. Come fight, you wuss, Albert screamed. In there? No way. I'll let my third grade army finish you off. How's it feel, Leo, to be beaten by a bunch of third graders? Eat dirt, you poop! This last brave sentence came from behind Greg. Jeffrey had risen and now gave Greg a huge shove. It wasn't enough to push him off his feet, but it was enough to nudge him slightly from behind, nudge him just enough to trip down into the trench, right on top of Leo. Leo grappled and the third grader seethed, but Greg was flailing wildly. And with his superior numbers, he would have soon pinned Leo and his two soldiers. Unable to bear the sight, Jeffrey tore his gaze away from the carnage below and lifted his eyes to no man's land. Then, hope broke over his features, radiant like the spreading sun at dawn, and he smiled. Leo, he said softly, he's, he's coming. There, sprinting across the field and leaving moaning fallen third graders in his wake, was Jake the Berserker. Right behind him was Porge, who had snuck around the field to come back and liberate their strongest weapon. As Jake neared, he began to scream, his signature eerie shriek that gave him his title. The third graders heard this and froze. Blood ran cold in their veins. They turned, struggled to get out of the trench, to get away, to get anywhere that was not there. But the fourth graders still hemmed them in. Jake leapt into the fray. Third graders flew through the air like shovelfuls of dirt as Jake plowed his way through the trench. 
The unlucky ones were picked up and heaved, while others threw themselves on the ground and groveled before the berserker, begging for mercy. Jake easily carved a hole in the squirming masses, as Porge jumped in behind and took on the fourth graders, now with the help of Albert and Timmy, while Greg looked on in horror. Then Jake turned, enraged, and began to run straight at Greg, who was being held by Leo. Greg twisted and kneed Leo in the stomach, hard, then stepped on him on his way out of the trench. Jake dove, but missed. Greg was already sprinting back to his own trench, yelling for retreat. The remaining third and fourth graders fled after Greg back to the safety of their holes. They dragged their own injured and stragglers as Albert and Porge walked the length of the trench, lifting the bodies of the fallen and rolling them back onto no man's land, where they crawled to their feet, groaning and complaining as they stumbled back to their side. Leo leaned against the wall, clutching his stomach. Silence fell in the trench. Jake stood nearby, covered with scratches, his hair tangled, his eyes wild. Leo coughed and itched his skin, caked with dirt. They had survived the battle, but there would be another, and another, an entire day's worth of war, and what had been achieved? They held their position, but so did Greg. He lifted himself to look over the edge of the trench as the last of the wounded dropped out of sight into Greg's stronghold on the other side. Is this what man was? A beast to crawl in dirt and struggle with his fellow creatures? What was the point? When would it all end? Leo knew he had to think about the next plan, about the next battle, but he'd seen enough fighting. And soon it would all start again. And it wouldn't stop until one side stamped out the other forever. The bird sang again. The sound was sweet to his ears. And as Leo paused to listen, he noticed again the cold blue sky. How could beauty exist in such a world? He glanced back to his ragtag group of followers, his warriors know, his brothers. There was Jake, still regaining his breath, rage not yet subsided. Albert sat in the dirt, moaning. Timmy and Porge stood at attention, waiting for their next command, though Leo could see how fatigued they were. Porge could barely stand up. And Jeffrey? Jeffrey was digging. Always digging. Leo brought himself to full height and pounded his palm with his fist. They had won this fight. They would win the war. They would never stop this struggle until the enemy had been conquered, and they would... The bell rang. Teachers called for lineup. The boys scrambled out of the hole and brushed dirt off their clothes as they jogged back to class. Break was over. So, for the first time ever on the podcast, we have the one and only Leo. Say hi, Leo. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, well, I'm very excited to have you here today because you feature in a lot of these stories and you tend to be sometimes the, I don't want to say protagonist, but the instigator of the stories. Like you're, like you get things going, you know? I do like getting things going. Yeah. Uh, I think, well, why do you think that is? Why, why do I think I get things going? I'm mostly pretty bored. Oh, you're bored? Yeah, so I try and uh, think about ways that life can be more interesting. Well, I think you do a pretty good job of that. I mean, trench warfare is certainly a very interesting story. Yeah, I think so too. 
Yeah. Uh, so can you describe to me what it was like in the trenches? It was pretty brutal. Yeah. I, I guess so. Yeah, it's hard for me to think about it. Um, sometimes uh, when I'm sleeping, I have thoughts. Um, I'm pulled back to those times, and it's hard. But I still remember that we pulled through. We gave it our all, and we survived. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, so the story ends when break ends. I just wonder, who, who won the final war? <sighs> Went on for a long time. A long time? How long? Well, at least the rest of that week, because after the weekend, they had moved the mulch, and the construction continued. Oh, so all the trenches were destroyed. Yeah, all our hard work was gone. But it's okay. We still fought on. You fought on? Oh, after the trenches were gone. Yeah, it turned into forest warfare. We started building forts. Uh, Greg and his fourth graders had a massive fort in the middle of the woods. And so we had many different outposts, and we had a lot of scouting attacks on his fort, and it got pretty gruesome. It got gruesome? Yes, very gruesome. Wow. Um, that's intense. Yeah, quick question. Were the teachers around when you're doing all this? Sometimes. Oh, and they don't they don't really get involved? Well, they don't really they don't really watch us that often. Oh, they don't. Hmm. I wonder how safe that is. There's nothing safe about war, Mr. Tom. I realize that. Uh, so you led your army into multiple wars. Well, it was all just one big war. Did you I mean, what happened? Well, after a long, long time, I think maybe I don't know, two and a half weeks. Greg and I met at the council behind the bleachers. It's a very special occasion. Um, everyone's there. And we negotiated a peace treaty that um, was in place for many, many weeks after that. Oh, it's no longer in place? No, it's not. Wow. Okay. But you had a peace treaty and you were happy with the terms of that treaty for however long it went. Yes. But now you're back at war? That's very complicated. Greg's actually on my team now. Oh, Greg's on your team? Yeah. Who who are you fighting with? Well, the Berserker betrayed us. Oh, Jake betrayed you, but Jake seems to be a pretty loyal guy. It was a complicated situation. I don't really want to talk about it. Wow. Okay. Um, it's a, The situation's unfolding as we speak. As we speak. So you mean, well, when I go back to school tomorrow... Um, it's back to work. It's back to the fight. Picking up my sticks, and I'm going back to the fort, and we'll see We'll see where it goes on from there. I'd love to sit down and talk to Jake and try and reason with him and, and help him to see that he really should be fighting for the good and all the values that my side seeks to instill in this war uh, and to defend truth and freedom. But unfortunately, he's gone full fourth grader, um, and... It's very disappointing to me. So he's gone full fourth grader. You mean the fourth graders are not defending truth and freedom? Yeah, see, the problem is the fifth graders need to control the recess area. When the fifth graders control the recess area, then everything is in harmony because the fifth graders naturally, being older, are superior to the fourth graders and are also even more superior to third graders. Now, with this superiority, we have leadership. When that leadership is threatened especially by um, somewhat recalcitrant fourth graders. Wow, that's a, that's a big word. It is. 
then we lose our authority. And so we need to reinstill that authority. And the way that we do that is through force. Oh, okay. And Jake has helped the fourth graders. I don't want to talk about that. Okay, we don't have to talk about that. So this, this is a big power struggle that's been going on for, I guess, months now. You could say that, yeah. The problem is there's a lot of um, division amongst the fifth graders as to which fifth grader should rule. Oh, sorry, rule like as a king? No, 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 as a democratic dictator. Democratic dictator? Did you come up with that? I did. And because I did, I should be the democratic dictator. But unfortunately, there is a lot of different schools of thought and camps and, and arguments will break out as to who should who should really be the ruler if there should be a ruler at all. Um, now, as the democratic dictator, I think there should be a ruler because the democratic dictator's word becomes law. Clearly, that should that should happen. Unfortunately, there have been times when it has and things have been very peaceful and good in, in our recess space. But there have been times when it haven't, hasn't. And so we have wars. This sounds like a very interesting place to go to school. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, it would be, it would be a lot better. It would be a lot more peaceful if people could just recognize my supreme authority. But, you know, they don't. So that's why we fight. <laughs> I, I have to say, reading Trench Warfare or writing Trench Warfare and observing you guys in action, I think that while the power struggles are certainly interesting, it, it is commendable to me to see you guys playing in this way. Like, I, I sorry, sorry, what? No, to, to watch you guys, you know, play war. <laughs> I don't understand. No, you playing. Uh, should I? Oh, is that you don't think that you're playing? You think it's this is this is very real. That lives have not been lost, but people have been mildly injured during our recess times. Yeah, that's that's pretty intense. This I've put a lot of thought into this. You seem to really enjoy it. Oh, I do. I enjoy it a lot. I can tell. Uh, so we'll we'll skip over that. I just want to say that I think that your commitment to this war, uh, maybe not your commitment to making yourself the what was it supreme ruler? No, 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 democratic dictator. We do, after all, live in the United States of America. Yeah, okay, democratic dictator. Your commitment to that, well, honestly, not really that, but I think I suspect deep down there's a commitment to friendship and there's a commitment to enjoying this time with your fellow students at recess. And I really respect that. Thank you. I respect that, too. And hey, honestly, I just want to say while I'm on this podcast, I respect your story writing. I like how the character of Leo is represented. Oh, you do? Well, that's, you know, thank you. Yeah, I think you do a good job of getting all my big ideas and, and the way that I, um, in some ways, am smarter than a lot of my peers. I think that comes across. Well, I don't know if that's intentional, but it does. And I also think... It's very interesting how you represent the fact that I have a lot of friends. Okay, you do have a lot of friends. I think that there might be a little bit of a humility check needing to come here. Have you read Red Book? There's some interesting Leo stories in there. No, I haven't read that yet. I'm very busy. Oh, you have? What have, what have you been busy with? You know, a lot of things, soccer practice, um, playing with Timmy. Uh, I read a lot of books, watch a lot of movies. Life's pretty busy. You know, your life sounds very interesting, Leo. Interesting in a good way? Yeah, I'd say that. Probably interesting in a good way. 
anything that you want to say to all the people listening to the podcast before before we go off? I just want to say if there's anyone else out there who's having their own trench warfares, keep going. Stick to it. It doesn't get better, but it's worth it. Uh, what makes it worth it? Because you just got to fight. No matter what it's for, you just got to fight. Thank you, Leo. That's very inspiring. Okay, uh, I'm going to end there. Thank you very much for coming in. You're welcome. This has been a Boy Stories podcast production performed by Tom Longano, author of The Blue Book of Stories. The Blue Book of Stories is available now on Amazon. It's also available on TomLongano.com. The podcast has been produced by the legendary George Martin. And please, if you like the podcast, subscribe. Tell us what you think in the comments and reviews. Please send us an email. You can find all our contact information on TomLongano.com. If you have a question or a comment for any of the characters, send it to us and you might just get featured in one of the next interviews. But thank you so much for listening. Again, share with your friends and please continue to listen. This has been so much fun for us. We hope it is just as much fun for you. Have a great day.